episode 50, the one where I speak with Jodie Williams, and she helps us answer the questions around what on earth do we do when we notice the symptoms of perimenopause and menopause are here, they're in our life, but we have no idea what to do about them. Jodie provides a really balanced view on the different avenues that we can take as women in this time of life. Jodie Williams helps women understand what is contributing to their mental, emotional and physical symptoms of perimenopause and menopause. She provides coaching tools and resources to manage these symptoms and helps women to get themselves back. She does this with a unique approach based on her career as a registered nurse, naturopath, hypnotherapist and her training in Hakomi psychotherapy. Enjoy this episode. I really loved speaking with Jodie on all of the stuff that arises for us during perimenopause and menopause and what we can do about it so that we can resource ourselves and come out the other side knowing ourselves better, having our resilience topped up. Take a listen. Kia ora. If you're a woman in midlife, this podcast is for you. Get ready to embark on a transformative journey where we tackle self-doubt, people-pleasing, imposter syndrome and overwhelm. Celebrate this second stage of life and claim your authentic confidence and courage. Midlife is not a time to settle, it's a time to unleash your purpose into the world. Make an impact done your way without compromising your own well-being. I'm Megan Kerr, Mindset Coach, former Psychosynthesis Counselor and Craniosacral Therapist. Are you ready? Let's begin. So welcome to the podcast, Jodie Williams. So grateful that you're here. Tell us about you and how you help people. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm a perimenopause health coach. And what that means is that I support women to understand what perimenopause is, what contributes to their signs and symptoms, be that physical, mental or emotional. And then I support those women to have a plan in place and implement the plan. And so it's quite a close and supportive um, process that we go through and nothing is left off the table. Everything is welcome. And so I find that women come to me with many different signs and symptoms and we take them all and I create an approach that helps to helps them to manage and understand what's going on and reduce those signs and symptoms. Yeah, beautiful. How did you come to do this work? Yeah, well, I've got a, an interesting background of health. So I've been interested in the intersection of well-being and mental wellness for as long as I can remember. And I had my own big difficulties with depression and anxiety from quite an early age. And so I trained as a nurse out of school, and it was during that time that I first started experiencing some depressive episodes. And then I also had experiences that made me realize that health was not just physical. And I wanted to find ways in which I could manage my own depression because medication just didn't really touch the sides for me. And then that led me down the path of training to be a naturopath because I understood that there was more to it than just my physical health of medication um, that was going to get me back on track. And then from there, after I studied naturopathy, I got more of an understanding about the different things that contributed to mental wellness. Um, And then I had some further episodes of depression. And so I tried other methods such as hypnotherapy and psychotherapy, which I found really helpful. So then I decided to study those modalities as well. And I came to this point where I realized that when I was having depressive episodes, I could take one piece, like I could focus on something more physical, like diet or exercise, and that would help lift me out of my depression. 
Or sometimes I could do things like mindfulness or meditation, and that would help lift me up. And I discovered that there were so many different elements that were contributing to my mental wellness Mm -hmm. that I really needed to focus on all of those. And so through all of that, I had created my own clinic as a naturopath. And I started focusing specifically on um, supporting people to manage anxiety and depression and other mental health difficulties. And then I went into perimenopause and, and oh. yeah, yeah, it was like that. It was such a massive experience for me. And I realized that there was a real gap in information and knowledge sharing and education and a massive gap for women to know the options and what they could do. And I also did find, unfortunately, there's a little bit of judgment sometimes for women when they choose different modes to manage and approach their perimenopause. And I wanted to create a place where women could come and there wasn't any of those judgments. We just had really good, open, honest conversation where I could information share um, and so that women could be feel comfortable to make their own decisions about what they wanted to do to manage their signs and symptoms. And that's where I am now. So I, I work solely with perimenopausal women in that space. Wow, so helpful. Mm. I, you know, I'm like putting myself back because I went through perimenopause quite early and I've been in menopause for a few years, but putting myself back into that time where I, I sort of figured out with the help of my doctor that I was in perimenopause and had no idea what was going on, what were my choices, what was available to me, what could I expect, how the hell could I manage all of these symptoms that were going on. So I think that, you know, having someone like you available to support us when we're going through that is is so huge. Yeah, it's a real missing piece. And in fact, I did a whole bunch of research interviews earlier this year with women that knew they were perimenopausal and, and had either hormone therapy or decided not to go down that route and were trying other options. But I did the interviews just to really get a lot of information about the the main struggles or where the where the gaps were. And I would say 90% of the women that I interviewed all said that they, first of all, they had no idea what perimenopause was or why, or the signs and symptoms. They, they kind of ended up in this place where they were having a really difficult time, sometimes with either difficult or debilitating signs and symptoms, and they had no idea. And then to follow on from that, they might go and see mm-hmm. the um, GP or talk to other people about it. And no one really knew all the different options. They might get given one set of options, but not the alternatives. And so there was a there's a real missing missing piece or a really gap within that. Yeah, there sure is. So wonderful that you're you're able to support women, you know, on their journey with perimenopause. So what's been your what's been sort of your experience and journey within that perimenopause stage? Mm, yeah. I started noticing, so I'm 43 now, and I started noticing in my late 30s that I was having a real issue with word recall. And it's actually one of the main signs um, that I still have to manage quite a bit. And I was actually, I think I was misdiagnosed as having post-concussion syndrome because I did have quite a bad concussion a few years before that. So yeah, word recall was something that I noticed. And it was it was quite difficult because I, I at one stage I really valued myself as a good talker. So it really messed with my confidence, actually. So that was the first thing. And then I had a series of very stressful events, maybe about two years ago, and everything kind of compounded. And I got to this place where it would take me about an hour and a half to drag myself out of bed in the morning. Like I'd have to set the alarm for an hour and a half 
before the time that I needed to get out of bed to prepare myself. Sometimes I'd be in tears. I was just so exhausted. I just didn't want to get out of bed. I was had a lot of body pain, a lot of aches. I had a headache that was I had for about three months. It would get worse before my period, but it was always kind of there. Just a, a whole bunch of these things. And I knew I wasn't depressed because I had had episodes of depression. I knew what depression felt like for me. So I had people saying, oh, you must be depressed. But I knew it wasn't that. And I'm really pleased that I trusted myself on that, actually. Yeah, like I knew I wasn't depressed. I was having a different sort of experience. And so what I did is I actually treated myself like I would if I was a, a client. <laughs> so I did all the testing that I do with clients for hormone testing. I went to the doctor. I got a whole bunch of blood tests done. And I sat down and I answered my own um, questionnaires and did all the things that I would usually do with a client. And the information that I all got back was, A, I was had really low cortisol, so I had a fatigue picture going on. And I also had low progesterone and fluctuating estrogen. So I actually had two pictures happening there. I had a fatigue picture going on and I had a perimenopausal picture there as well. It's super interesting, isn't it? So you kind of had, like you said, you had two pictures going on. You had two things running side by side, which I imagine, yeah, would have made things quite difficult. Yeah, it really did. It is very common. I see this a lot. I see those two things happening side by side quite a bit. Yeah, so I wonder about that, right? Because there's like when we're maybe in our 30s, sometimes we might experience burnout. Mm -hmm. But I think in perimenopause, I went through a, wasn't so subtle in my experience, but a phase of this kind of burnout pattern. And I think that, you know, you've spoken about that before. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that and how that can show up. Yeah, well, there's quite a big crossover between the different experiences that a person can have with both perimenopause and burnout. So they have quite a few of the same signs and symptoms. One of the things I do notice is that women are more likely to be diagnosed with what I call fatiguing syndromes. So that's fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue. Some people would call it adrenal fatigue or HPA axis dysfunction. So you're more likely to be diagnosed with those in your your 30s or early 40s. Yeah, so there's a lot of crossover and it can be difficult to know what is driving what. But one of the things we do know is that in that first stage of perimenopause, when your progesterone is dropping, you're more likely to have the brain fog and maybe the premenstrual headaches, the cognitive symptoms happen, and you might get a bit more body pain as well. But that's also the same signs and symptoms that you would get if you have maybe a fibromyalgia picture or a burnout or a fatigue picture. So it can be really difficult to know what is what. But one thing I do know is that if you have an underlying condition, say a fatigue sort of picture, and you've got a change in your hormones, your hormones are going to exacerbate that underlying picture that you've already got. It's the same as if a woman comes in to see me and she has like gut issues and she has perimenopause, what often happens is the gut issues may have just been kind of simmering away, a bit off balance, but then as soon as the hormonal changes happen, then the gut issue starts to be exacerbated and become much more of a problem. So that those changes in, in the hormones really do um, ex- exacerbate the, the pictures of the health that may have been out of balance before. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. Why is it important to know what's what? Is that in, because of how you would support and treat it? 
Absolutely. So I'm I'm a real believer if if we know what's going on and why it's happening, then we can choose the right path for for managing that. And it also means that a woman knows what's happening and she has the full picture. She can make an informed decision about what she wants to do, what sort of treatments she wants. So I, I do think it's really important to get all of that information so we know what's happening so we can manage that. It's a little bit like if we don't have that information, that's one of the reasons I like to do testing and blood testing and get a really good client history because otherwise we're kind of crystal ball gazing. Whereas I really think it's important that we know what we're working on so that we can get some really good results. That's just, the, yeah. that's how I work. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. And so what, in your experience of working with women through that, you know, the perimenopausal stage, What's going on for us, like, emotionally, mentally, psychologically? Because it's a very, I think it can be a really confusing time. Even if we do know that it is, you know, perimenopause, it's still like, what the hell? These responses that we've never had before, that we're suddenly we're irritated by the way a partner holds the remote control or eats their dinner or whatever the hell it is. 100%. 100%. I was just about to say chewing too loud. Like I hear this a lot. <laughs> you know, I think there's a couple of things that happen. And one of the ways I describe it to women, it's a bit like the veil thins out or the veil starts to lift. So all the strategies that someone may have had to manage their stuff in the past, maybe the the, the relationship or other people's behavior or or things that may have annoyed them, what tends to happen, I think, with, with women is they create these strategies to manage that stuff. And then what starts to happen is the strategies don't work so well anymore. It's like there's something within us that wants to be known about what is okay, what is not okay, what is acceptable for us, how do we really feel about that thing. In Hakomi psychotherapy, we call them character strategies. And so it's like the character strategies aren't working anymore and they're actually detrimental and they're making life more difficult. So I think it really is a time when we need to sort of ask those deeper questions. How am I organizing myself in relation to these other elements in life? How am I organizing myself in relationships? How am I organizing myself within the work that I do? How am I organizing myself in what's acceptable to me to accept with regards to other people's behavior, for example? And it's a time when that veil of pushing down how we really feel about something thins out and we have to sort of start to face how we really do feel and think about things. Yeah. Do you notice that with your work as well? Yeah, completely, yeah. completely. Yeah. And as you're talking, I love the way you you talk about it as the veil kind of thins because it does because we're we're so conditioned well I was so conditioned to be the good girl to be Mm. nice to make everything okay and then there was this rebellious part of me as well but in any case going through perimenopause that no longer worked yeah you know it was like uh, to try and do that was physically impossible and Mm. so then we get the irritable and the bitchy and the whatever else she's not tolerating things like she used to kind of woman shows up. Mm-hmm. I think there's a massive opportunity there for us as women in our own journey. And I do see a lot of women going through that. But at the beginning of that opportunity, it's very difficult because how we've coped with things is now no longer working. So there's all this disruption, not only within ourselves, but within our relationships. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I love that word disruption that you use because it really, it is like that. You know, I was just working with a woman just earlier on today and she said it's almost like a, a battle between these different parts. One part wants to rest and the other part wants to please. <laughs> so pleasing looks like not reducing her work hours and showing up in her job in a particular way. So it, it's, so we spend a lot of some, with some people, we spend a lot of time looking at that. What does that person really need as opposed to what do they think they should be doing? And, and how do we look after both of those, those parts, both of those things? Yeah. 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 Yeah, What do I really need as opposed to what do I think I should be doing? And is there, well, I don't know. What do you think about this? Is there a middle ground? Can we support both of those aspects of ourselves? I I think we can. I think if we use that example I was just giving, there's like, there is a need to have some space and some downtime. And also there is another part that really wants to achieve and do well and do a good job. But what tends to happen is that part starts taking over and running the show at the detriment of the part that needs to have a bit of a break and have a bit more space. So I say to people, we don't want that part to completely go away, the part that wants to do a good job and do things really well, because that's really helpful, because it helps you do your work or do a good job. But we need that to just calm down a little bit and settle a little bit so that there's space for this other part, the part that needs to rest or needs to a bit more time so that that part can come up and can they find a way together of going going forward together so that both the parts can can have their say and have have their bit of time yeah really nice I like the way you put that yeah because this is a time I think for me in perimenopause I had to learn how to really nourish myself Mm -hmm. and to take the rest that I needed and you know talking to my partner who's male or to people that haven't gone through it there's sometimes a mentality of, well, you just need to be fitter and push mm-hmm. through or do more or whatever whatever the belief is. But that, that in its totality, doesn't work for us in mm-hmm. perimenopause. It makes us more exhausted and more tired. Yeah. yeah, 100%. And the same thing happens with the fatigue as well because yeah. if you've ever really experienced fatigue, that deep fatigue, you don't really get it and it can be difficult for people to understand I just get more sleep it's like no that doesn't cut it it's not quite (laughs) like I sleep 12 hours a night and I'm I don't want to get out of bed in the morning so yeah Yeah. and it can be lonely and I think that's another thing about that perimenopausal place for some women it can be they can feel very lonely like no one really gets it or no one understands which is why we all need to talk about it a whole lot more Absolutely, which is why we're having these conversations. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but my my when my mother went through it, it was never ever. She just didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. I had no idea until I was, you know, a grown adult woman that I, you know, that time when she was really irritable, spent all that time in her bedroom and wanted to divorce my stepfather was probably menopause, perimenopause for her. <laughs> you know, it just wasn't talked about. So yeah, it's so important to have these conversations. What a difficult time that would have been to see your mum in that sort of place and not know why. That must have been really hard. Yeah, it was really hard. And to not have the communication skills, I think. You know, I think we can be in these difficult places in all relationships in life, but if we can talk about it, it, it clears the air. It supports that connecting, staying connected. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think? 
for a woman that's sort of recognizing herself in what we're saying, what you're talking about, the sort of picture you're presenting, where can she begin? What does she need to do? Where can she turn? I think that that's a big piece for women. They're like, well, yes, I feel like shit and I've got brain fog and I'm exhausted, but I don't really know what to do about it. Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. I think one of the first things we need to do is resource ourselves with with information and and talking to other people as well. So getting information that is easily understandable and is created at a level which that person can um, understand and can implement um, in their day-to-day life. So getting information is really important. And getting support is another really important piece. This is sometimes, though, where the difficulty can come in a little bit because everyone has a little bit of a different idea about what's going well, not what's going on, but maybe what's important. So I do suggest that people go to their GP, first of all, and get a whole bunch of blood tests done, blood work, and talk to their GP and start having a conversation that, hey, I think this is starting to happen. Um, can we can we sit and talk about it? And if possible, make a double appointment, like a, a longer appointment so that yeah. you've got time and space to have that discussion. If you feel that your GP is um, coming to the party and is able to discuss those things with you, then that's great. If you feel like you're not getting what you need or your GP isn't kind of coming to the party with that discussion, then it would be time to find someone that might specialize in actually women's health. And there are lots of GPs out there that now do online consults that specialize in that area. I also want to add a side piece um, around um, blood testing and testing for hormones. So because perimenopause is a process, a gradual transition, there's not really one test or sign that is enough to determine if you've entered perimenopause. So when I talk about blood tests, I'm talking about general blood test to get or to have an idea about where some of your levels are sitting at for things like iron and thyroid, for example. So if I was going to my GP and I was um, suspecting that I was entering perimenopause, there is a couple of tests that I would be requesting or asking for just to get a general health snapshot. And they would be full iron studies, full thyroid panel, be looking at fasting insulin, And that gives us information around insulin resistance, lipid profile. And I'd also be testing for B12 and vitamin D. And then your GP may choose to add some other tests in there, depending on your signs and symptoms as well. And I would be having those same done every 12 months, just as an ongoing assessment. And then when it comes to checking for hormone levels, I sometimes do that with my clients to help us get some understanding around what might be driving some of the signs and symptoms, the problematic ones. And uh, I would use Dutch testing, which is urine sampling. And that gives us information about reproductive hormones and also cortisol levels as well. Sometimes a woman might choose to do a cycle mapping. And that is um, taking a sample every few days to give us a really good indication of what those hormones are doing um, during one whole cycle. Uh, and that can be some really valuable information to get as well. So so asking questions and getting support, I think, is one of the first places to go. Having conversations with friends, even if it might feel a bit tricky, if you've got women that are in your age group, then actually just talking and having discussions about what your experiences are even if it is a bit tricky, it might open it might open the possibility for someone else to start talking about their experience as well. 
So can we be brave and actually sort of start talking about what's actually going on for us? I think that's an, another really important piece as well. But yeah, getting getting information, good quality information is really important and getting support. So I do think that there are some things that we go through during perimenopause that I say one should not go through by oneself. And I think that if you are starting to have some, some difficulties, so I, I call in perimenopause, I say there's the three Ds with symptoms. Don't really notice much. Things are becoming difficult or things are becoming debilitating. If you're in those last two Ds, difficult or debilitating, especially emotionally or mentally, then it's really important that you do reach out for some support. And that can look different for different people. That might be a trusted friend or confidant, or it might actually be some professional support as well. Yeah, yeah. great. Great place to start. And I guess that's where some someone like you comes in, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think so. I mean, I, I sort of share information in lots of different ways. So I've just created some more online platforms that I'm starting to use more and one of the things I like to do is um, write resources to be able to share resources and information um, with women. Um, so, yeah, I mean, people can contact me um, to work one-on-one or just to be put in connection with some of the resources that I have or some of the social platforms that I use too. Oh, beautiful. And we're going to put some links to resources in the show notes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So- There's one thing in particular. It's a small ebook that I wrote, which is the A to Z of perimenopausal symptoms. So it's really great for women who might have what this constellation of symptoms that might not seem related. You can go through this book and have a look. I don't have all the symptoms in there. I have I think about 30. And so you can go through and you can see the symptoms and what contributes to them. And in there, there's some really good practical advice about things that you can do whether that be lifestyle or seeking support or changes in your food intake, for example. So that's in that A to Z book. And there's also another resource which comes with that, which is a perimenopause symptom tracker. And that is really helpful. It's 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 a tracker that you can go through and each day you can mark the different signs and symptoms that you've experienced. So if you go to your GP or another health professional, you can take it with you and it gives a really good, clear picture of what's going on. And we it can help you to see if those symptoms are related to changes of hormones during your cycle as well. Oh, fantastic. That sounds really helpful. Nice yeah. one. Yeah, it's a yeah. great, great resource. Awesome. Hey, where so you initially trained as a nurse and have worked in that field you are a naturopath as well as doing training in Hakomi psychotherapy what's your approach to HRT or now I think it's called MHT yeah not versus but but often they're placed in different ballparks or fields is the the MHT RHT route versus sort of complementary therapies pathway what's your take on that Yes, such a great question. Thank you so much for asking that. So a couple of words come to mind. One is practical, um, being open, conversational and educational. I suppose that's that's the approach because there is space for all of those, all of those pieces. Maybe I could give an, a couple of examples of how those things might work together. That might be yeah, a good yeah. way for listeners to understand. So I might have a client that comes in with a with a range of signs and symptoms. Now, one of the things we t- talked about earlier is that the changes in hormones can exacerbate health conditions. 
and, and also drives the signs and symptoms that we experience. So I might have someone that comes in and has these signs and symptoms and they're not quite sure what they want to do about it. They're not that sure about menopause hormone therapy, but they don't really know what else to do. And their symptoms are in that maybe debilitating kind of place. So we would have a discussion and we would talk about the, the merits and the positive aspects of menopause hormone therapy or maybe some of the things that might be difficult about it. And then we would also look at more of the, the natural, inverted commas, approaches that mm-hmm. might be able to be had. And then we look at the practicalities of things. So sometimes it might be really helpful for a woman to take menopause hormone therapy to give her what I call space around her signs and symptoms. If she has the space around her signs and symptoms, so she's sleeping better or her anxiety is reduced or um, she's got reduced levels of physical discomfort, it means that there's more space to focus on the lifestyle changes that are going to really help reduce those symptoms even more. So someone might choose to be on menopause hormone therapy for, say, six months, and that gives us time to go in and really look at some of the lifestyle factors and maybe start introducing something like a really good quality magnesium, some mindfulness, you know, all the nice things that are going to help. And then after six months, once she's had those like lifestyle elements in place, she might want to taper off the menopause hormone therapy and move into more of a, again, inverted commas, natural approach. So, you know, you can have both things going on at the same time. There might be someone who, for medical reasons, can't take menopause hormone therapy. Yeah. And so for that, then we've kind of got no other real choice except to go towards that more natural naturopathic approach. Or sometimes I'll have someone come in and be like, I don't care. I just want the symptoms to go away and I don't want to have to do much about it. And I go, okay, well, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. We're all open here. And if that's the approach that you want, then I might write a letter to for her to take to her GP saying, these are the signs and symptoms. These are the things that are going on. And this person would like to discuss menopause hormone therapy with you. I think the most important thing is that we get really practical in our approach to this because life is busy and full. And, you know, in an ideal world, we'd be taking heaps of time off and doing all the great things in in lifestyle to be able to reduce the signs and symptoms. But sometimes that's just not practical for women. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just as you were talking, I was thinking about when I had, I was sick with Crohn's disease in my 20s. And that whole time was spent healing Crohn's disease or managing Crohn's disease, right? And then I come into my 40s and I'm in perimenopause and and not the same symptoms. And interestingly, I didn't have gut stuff Mm. in the same way arise, which is really fascinating. But the fatigue was there and migraines and all the rest of it. But, you know, I've got teenage and adult children, business, all the rest of it. I couldn't take a couple of years out in the way I did when I was in my 20s. And so... You know, and that's the case for many women at that stage of our life. It, it's very busy. So I love the way you talk about it is, well, what what can create space for us so that then we can look after ourselves? Because I think for some women, the symptoms are so debilitating that it's like, I've just got to get a handle on this before I can think about learning mindfulness or taking more rest or even bringing more vegetables into my diet or something really simple like that because they don't even have the energy to cook dinner on a regular basis yeah absolutely yeah so you're bang on the money there and so and then there starts a cycle of guilt 
should be yes right. I should be able to do that if, if the person's not already feeling guilty that they're you know having a difficult time so we really want to we want to get rid of we want to manage some of the guilt we, we want to be like you know what yes. let's just see if we can can we make this as easy as possible for you during quite a difficult time and I, I think the other really important thing is menopause hormone therapy works really well for some women but and for some women it reduces their signs and symptoms but it's not this panacea gonna manage all the things all the time and I think sometimes it can be disappointing for women who hear these great stories about menopause hormone therapy and it is a really great thing and they get a lot of disappointment when their signs and symptoms aren't reduced when that happens there's some underlying life lifestyle general health stuff that needs to be addressed and that's again a really good time to bring in more naturopathic and natural approaches because if the menopause hormone therapy isn't helping reduce those signs and symptoms then there's another driver that we need Mm. to start looking at and, and addressing there's nothing wrong with you as a person but there's something that's going on that need needs to be addressed and so for my with my experience, I started on utrogestin, so progesterone only, and that helped me really reduce my headaches. It helped me get it. My sleep was better. I found there was a reduction in some of my anxiety and some of my heart palpitations, and it did create some space so that I could keep doing all the naturopathic things that I was doing. And now I don't take the progesterone anymore because I've able, been able to manage my signs and symptoms and they're really settled. When I get my signs and symptoms back, it's a barometer. It's telling me, hey, something's out of whack here. You're you're working too much or you're doing too much or you're not eating well, you know. And it's the same with a lot of my clients too. They end up almost being thankful for some of their signs and symptoms when they do pop up because it's a sign to them. Oh, I've got to rein something in here or maybe I've gone back to that people-pleasing tendency again. Yeah. 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 So good. And that, and then I think that's so helpful. And initially, we've just got to get that shit storm under control. Yeah. And yeah. then we have that, you know, neutrality. And then it's like, oh, this pops up. Oh, okay. So what is actually going on here? What do I need to look at? So, so I love that. I think you know, having you as a neutral person that can really look at, well, there's this piece, there's the MHT or the HRT, and then there's maybe the more natural things, and you can look at both or either or you know what's going to work for you at different stages is just so so helpful what do you think is so I went through like I said menopause early so I've been out the other side for a number of years according to my blood tests what do you think is the opportunity for us as women because I actually see a lot of women saying I just feel like the good part of my life is over and and that's that's hard to see and to hear and to even say uh, I, I yeah anyway what do you think is is there an opportunity in this for us massive opportunities and and for growth on so many levels so there's an opportunity to really learn about your your physical body and what it needs and what best you can do to look after it going forward perimenopause is a what's the word I'm looking for it's a recalibration So it's a recalibration of the body and the brain, actually, and the emotions. So it's actually a chance for you to be able to set yourself up going forward. But it needs to be done in a bit in quite a conscious way, I I think. So choosing instead of being sort of carried along by the perimenopause signs and symptoms and carried along by the the life that you think you have to do, 
it's actually a chance to stop and actually take stock of all the things and make some decisions about what you want things to look like going forward, especially with that thinning of the veil or veil rather. You, you, there's a chance there to really get to know yourself and what is going to be best for you so that you can start to make choices or different choices about what you want to do going forward. I really do believe when we understand and know what's going on and why we do the things we do, then we can choose to do them differently if we wish. And so it's that point in time when we can have a lot of understanding or self-discovery about the way that we're doing things and decide, do I want to keep doing it that way and getting that same outcome or do I want to do things a little bit differently? And that's for our, our physical and mental and emotional health. Yeah, exactly, on all levels. And yeah. I think even on the subtle level, I noticed for myself, I, I haven't talked to many women about this, but... But I wonder anecdotally, like my sort of my gut instinct, my intuition for things is so much more refined since going through menopause. I guess, yeah, anyway, I'm not sure of the reasons for that, but super sting. Absolutely. And it's it's something I've actually just I've actually just started reading a book by Christine Northrup and she talks about this. And I can't wait to really do, like get into that book because it's one of the areas that I would like to know more about. Mm. And I think it's very, very important. But it, it's like your ship filter. <laughs> you know, it, it becomes a bit stronger, or there's something in us that knows that that is not okay for us. And yeah. um, but yeah, that that know that inner knowing that starts to to come up and and the more we listen to it as you'll be well aware the more we listen to it the stronger it gets yeah exactly it's, it is a it's a very empowering experience to have arise inside of me anyway at this mm. stage of life and and I think I think you know if I was talking to someone who was going through the earlier stages of perimenopause I sometimes we'll talk about hey it's actually really good like once we've gone through it you there is a you know that that thing where people say oh you know a postmenopausal woman kind of gives no fucks well yeah because like our hormonal profile has shifted so who we are and how we show up is is very different and we're able to have an a sense of agency that is different at this at this stage and age which I just love 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 hey is there is there anything else you want to share that you think is important that maybe we haven't touched on that you want to share with people I think that the most important thing for us to remember is that pause is a it's a natural transition and 99% of women are going to have that transition in some form and just to remember there's nothing wrong with you like there's nothing intrinsically wrong with you if you have signs or symptoms or you're having difficulties. And I can't stress that enough. You're having an experience. You're having some signs and symptoms. The signs and symptoms can usually be reduced, managed or mitigated and that there's nothing wrong with you. I, I think that's probably the, the biggest message that I would like women to know. I think that's a really powerful thing to finish with, Jody. How can people get in touch with you if they want to contact you? Yeah, so they can go to my website, which is managemyperimenopause.com. They can also find me on social media channels, which is Instagram at managemyperimenopause. I love it when people message me and if they've got any questions, that gives me a really good way of um, providing content for those pages. So I answer questions and um, post those videos. So that's great. 
And the resources that we mentioned, so the A to Z of perimenopausal symptoms and the perimenopause at myperimenopausetracker.com. But I think you're going to put that in the show notes. So if you've got brain fog, don't worry about it. <laughs> it <would have> <laughs> we got you. Yeah, yeah, we got you. Yeah. So good. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jody. It's been, yeah, really insightful for me. I really love your approach to supporting women in perimenopause. Thanks for having me. I love the conversation. So good. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, consider joining me on my signature course for women in midlife. The Midlife Upgrade course is made specifically for you so that you can embark on your second stage of life with calm, confidence and courage. Join the waitlist at megancare.co.nz forward slash waitlist.